Hey, how's it going, Champagne Sharks? Hope everyone's doing well. Just wanted to uh, do some quick house cleaning, let people know. Go to ChampagneSharks.com and you get access to all the links related to Champagne Sharks. You can go there and find it all. And you can find where we are on social media, our products, all that stuff. Also, Patreon benefits, which includes Discord server, book club night, movie night discussions, show notes, newsletter, and most importantly, bonus episodes. So definitely become a patron for $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks. And without further ado, here is the episode. Take care. What up, y'all? You are listening to Champagne Sharks. I am Be The Star. And on this episode, we are speaking with Jason Hall and Timothy Golden of Motown Philly, a podcast <laughs> with Timothy Golden and Jason Hall. Um, it's a great podcast. I love it. I highly recommend it, which is why I wanted to have them on. This podcast is, as they describe, a place where they emphasize the importance of effective communication, which fosters deep connections which in turn builds authentic communities. And welcome, Jason Hall and Tim Golden. Thank How you, are you thank guys? You. Doing Good. well, Vita. Doing well. Thank, you. thank you so much for having us, Vita. We really um, appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So to give the listeners an idea of who you guys are, um, Jason Hall is a communication skills coach with a 20-year background in the field of speech-language pathology. He specializes in he specializes in helping professional men of color that are expert entrepreneurs and influencers increase their income and speak in any room boldly by improving their speech clarity, vocal presence, communication skills, and confidence. He hopes to change the narrative around code switching for African-American males in professional spaces while helping them show up as their authentic selves. Welcome, Jason. Hey, hey, what's going on? You can help me out. I love it. I love these skill sets you got. Um I hope you, uh, well, we'll get into that later. <laughs> um, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm, I'm sitting over here, Vita, with my chest stuck out because as you was reading that bio, I was thinking to myself, man, I actually am friends with this dude. Stop <laughs> Stop. Stop. Isn't that Stop dope it. when you see how it great is. your friends are? Yes, it is so dope. So one of my friends, Tim Golden, <laughs> is one of those friends for me that I'm like, damn. Me. I love it, especially when he lights somebody up on Twitter intellectually. I love it. Um, <laughs> Dr. Tim Golden is professor of philosophy at Walla Walla University in College Place, Washington, where he is director of the pre-law program and the philosophy minor. His books include Frederick Douglass and the Philosophy of Religion and Racism and Resistance, essays on Derek Bell's racial realism. Tim is also an attorney, an actor, and co-host of the Motown Philly podcast. Tim is originally from Philadelphia, hence the name Motown Philly, because Jason, you are from Detroit, right? Yes, 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 yes. What so, up, though? I love the name. I love the concept. That's, you know, one of the first things I thought was super creative because Motown Philly is my favorite song by Voice to Men till this day. <laughs> yes. Love it. Love it. <laughs> love it. <laughs> so what I love them. OK, so there's a couple of things that I love. The subtlety of the the subtlety, but yet the specificity of the fact that this is clearly black. You know what I mean? Like you didn't say urban. You didn't say ebony or mahogany. You know, all the clues that make you right. know something's black. If you listen, if you understand the, the, the phrase Motown Philly, it seems very clear who the demo is. It is sure. That's how it came across to me. Was that intentional? Outside of the fact that you guys are from Motown, I mean, from Detroit and Philadelphia? 
it, I don't go for you, it, Jay. I don't think it. I mean, you could speak on this too, but I don't think it was intentional, Vita. I think it was just Jason and I sort of being Jason and Tim. We we love to rep our cities. Jason's mm-hmm. always talking about how great it is in Detroit, and both of us are very passionate sports fans. So Jason has a love affair with his Detroit Pistons. I have a love affair with my Sixers, and and we always go back and forth. And sports is a big topic of conversation between the two of us, and so our cities are a big part of that. So I think it was, I don't think it was intentional, but I'm so glad it comes across as an African-American podcast, because for me, it, it shows who we are and where we're from and where we're from are, are two cities with a very dynamic history as it relates to African-Americans, both in Detroit and in Philadelphia. So that's, that's my take on it, Jay. I don't know if you see it differently. I mean, my tape is definitely very similar. It's, I think it's the fact that Tim and I, kind of like what he said, it, it, we represent the culture. Like we represent an aspect of the culture and it's not missed by us that we, where we are from, him being from Philly and me being from, from Detroit, like that's in us. Like when I talk to Tim, I know I'm talking, even though he lives in Walla Walla, I know I'm talking to Tim from Philly because you can hear it. You can hear it in his, his idioms, you can hear it in his language, you can hear it in his colloquialisms. It's is is he's dripping with Philly. <laughs> and, then, and then when he when he gets to me, like when it's like, I'm so de- I'm so Detroit. I'm so from the D. And it's like culturally, that's who we that's who where we're from and who we are. And of course, we're African American and we're from these cities. So as we've been having conversations for all of our uh friendship. It, it was only natural for us to have that that's this connection of where we're from. And that song just brings it together like this is Motown Philly. Let's go. <laughs> so basically, it was just authentic and it just came across. Right. So Definitely. I love that. It's Definitely. because there's, there's a certain subtlety. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't go out of your way to say this is a black podcast. Mm-hmm. You just were who you were, are who you are. Mm-hmm. And this right. is why it, mm-hmm. this is why I, I feel like. Sometimes when people are trying so hard, and I'm sure you guys have seen this both in media and academia, they try so hard to call themselves things, <clears throat> Professor Crunk, or um, they try <laughs> so hard to, <laughs> you know, yes. um, position themselves to show, look at how black I am. Without, and the reality is you have to try so hard to like, who are you trying to prove this to? Right. Mm-hmm. And I love that you guys are just who you are and it just shines through. The content is really important in your podcast. Um because to me, these are things and converse, these are conversations that we need to have more of in Black media. Conversations right. around connection, conversations around uh, effective communication mm-hmm. that leads to more connection, right? And right. these things help to build community. So let me ask you guys this. How did you come up with the concept of your podcast? Two Black men talking about connection and communication. What? That doesn't happen. You guys are so emotionally unintelligent, according to the internet. Well, let, let me let me get, let me see if I can jump off on this one, Tim. Uh, first, and you can you can Go come ahead. after me. Jay, I mean, the, the floor is yours, big dog. Go ahead. So it's kind of a loaded question, Vita. But the f- the fact of the matter is that I'm a communication skills coach, and I I actually run programs to help clients and individuals. And Tim has been assisting me uh, as an adjunct uh, teacher or facilitator in some of my programs, and. Um, it just got to a point where Tim and I just do life, whether we're just in friendship and it made so much sense to, to, 
to for him to help me out because Tim is actually a you know all the things that you listed out that he does for a living. He's a lawyer. He's a thespian. He he's a um, he's an international speaker. He is you know he's a professor in a class. He's a speaker. So it's just like when him helping me in my you know with my business and my program and us having these consistent conversations, it just made it so natural to have a continual flow with me being all about communication and understanding the essence of communication. Like, why do we communicate? It, it's we communicate so that we can connect. So what are we connecting with? Who are we connecting with? What is, what is this connecting business all about? It's about relationships that we connect with other people. And then when you form these relationships, you get to enhance and, and form a community from it. So it's like a secession. And it's just like, it, it too was also very organic in our, in our approach to saying like, you know what, this, it just makes a lot of sense. And it's kind of who we are as friends is who we are as who we are as a profession. And Tim and I just seek to connect with each other and with other good, other good human beings. So just for us, for me, it made it right. I love that. Because you're saying it's the same thing with the name. It's just who you authentically naturally are. It's what you talk about. It's what you're passionate about. So it only makes sense to make this a conversation. What were you going to say, Tim? No, I was just going to follow up with Jason. And you, you should know this, Vita, that the concept of Motown Philly preceded the first podcast episode by about five years. Oh, talk about it. <laughs> and that's putting it on the conservative side. Jason and I, as friends, had these long, we would have these long extended conversations. And Jason would always say to me at some point in the middle of it or toward the end, my goodness, we should have recorded this, man. We should have recorded this. And I was yeah. like, I know, man, we yeah. need to have a podcast. And he was like, that's what I'm saying, man. I was like, yeah, we should. I said, we could call it Motown Philly. He was like, yeah, man. <laughs> and Vita, we talked and talked and talked. If this was 2022, I would say we have been talking about this podcast since at least 2017. Yeah. We no had lie. just been, we'd be having these conversations, these dope conversations that would be hours long where we would flesh out these concepts back and forth. And man, it just, it was, it was really something. So when we, when we finally decided to do it last August, we had our first episode, August of 22. And when we finally decided to do it, it just, it came so naturally. Mm -hmm to us. It was mm -hmm. such a natural flow and such a natural fit. So the the concept was there long before the first podcast episode. And I think what people are getting is a natural extension of our of our connection. We Jason and I are sharing our connection as friends in our podcast episodes in ways that are a little bit more structured, a little bit more formal. But nevertheless, give people some sense of how we feel about certain things and what issues are really important and the things that matter to us. Because Jason and I, personality-wise, I think are very similar. We, we have both expressed levels of frustration with the way that men, in particular Black men, are portrayed. Mm -hmm in our culture, on social media, etc. And one of the big points of our podcast is that in, in our podcast brand, we try to appeal to the totality of the human person. So we're not going to tell you like some, some of these red pill 
people, a lot of the red pill content is you a man, you're not supposed to facts over feelings. You're supposed to disregard right. emotions altogether. And then there's some folks who are like, well, as a man, you just need to emote more and that'll make you a better man. No, we think that the emotions and the intellect work together to make us competent communicators that builds, which in turn helps us build connection with people and helps us build community. So we think that what we what we push for in terms of an ideal of manhood and what it means to be a, a an emotionally well and competent man is a little bit different from the extremes that you get in the culture, because Jason and I try to give you both at the same time. I love mm-hmm. that. Um, and you hit on some really key things and specifically the portrayal and the conversations being had about and allegedly to black men. I'm saying allegedly because they, these are therapists and social media people and academics who claim that they're saying these things to be helpful to black men or black males. And in reality, it's mostly demeaning is beratement. Um, and then what ends up happening is these other spaces that are actually negative are opening their arms up to black men. And it's these weird, you know, red pill, alpha male, ultra conservative, anti-black woman, anti-black community spaces. And it's almost like, well, where do these young black men go who, you know, what spaces exist for them? Right. So for if the people that are supposed to be helping them, these so-called therapists, and we're going to, I'm going to show you guys a, a tweet from one of those in a minute, but, um, and this isn't the only therapist that does this. We've, me and Tim have had many conversations, Champagne Sharks, we've had many conversations about some of these people who are literal therapists, have licenses and everything, are practicing, some of which have lost their jobs because they got on social media saying some wild shit. Um, But, you know, when we have these academics and so-called therapists, the so-called professionals, people that we're supposed to seek as advisors and people that are supposed to help, you know, guide certain conversations, being anti-Black male, which to me means black boys and men, um, when we see these spaces and then these teenage boys are seeing this, hearing this, seeing these ridiculous debates, you know, taking place on social media, on TikTok right now, it's, it's crazy on TikTok. Then they go to these other spaces that are opening up these, the black manosphere, right? Or these red pillars or black pillars, they call them or whatever they call these two pills. Um, <laughs> they get into these alpha male spaces that are taking them away from community, not teaching them effective communication. In fact, all the opposite of what you guys are hoping to, you know, have on all the things you guys are hoping to direct conversations on, on your podcast. That's right, Vita. I think, and, and Jason and I had a conversation about this the other night and, and you and I have talked about this too, Vita. One of the, one of the more d- dysfunctional pieces of advice that a lot of men get, particularly from red pill communities is that, you don't you don't want a woman to be your to just be your friend. And Jason and I talked about that the other day. And, you know, it's like if if you're in the friend zone for a woman, you're not a friend. You're not really a friend. Right. right? You're you're a guy who has had a boundary imposed on him. And when you see yourself like that as a man, of course, you don't want to associate with that person. But we li- we also live in a world where black men and i'm i'm thinking tragically about the loss of twitch recently how we lost him black men are isolated black men are e- emotionally hurting and if you 
black men need to have friends wherever they find them mm-hmm. and whoever they are. And Jason and I have, have recently just had this conversation. And if if you happen to be a black man and you have a black woman who's a friend who cares about you in a platonic sense. Now, do you want to do you want to waste your time disregarding her boundaries and trying to pursue her romantically if she's not interested? No. But I think it's we have to find ways as black men to stop reducing our relational dynamics to black women as all or nothing. Right, we're either right. we're either a couple or I don't want to speak to you no more. I just cut you off. That is that is not healthy and it leads to a lot of dysfunction. And I think Jason and I try to we're trying to carve out a space in podcast universe where men can come to to avoid the harshness of either the left wing extremism that tells black men that you have to be more like a woman in order to be a good man. Or the right wing extremism, which the sort of Andrew Tate kind of (laughs) messaging that you got to be a savage. And, you know, if she wants to be your friend, you just flip her the bird and move on. And, uh, you know, those are not healthy spaces. And Jason and I like to think that we are creating with our podcast a healthy space in between those two extremes that addresses the whole human being. That's that's the way I see it. Yes. I mean, that's kind of how I what I picked up on in listening to the podcast. And I feel like you are definitely doing that. Um, let's let's really get into why these the three C's that you guys hone in on are such an important part of this conversation. Why is there such a focus on communication and connection and community? Because if we were talking about, you just brought up Twitch, right? We, so we, we know the rates of Black men and suicide, Black boys and suicide are extremely high. Um, I believe they're the highest um, right now. Um, or they're growing, right? Um, I know that there's a Black youth epidemic of suicide as well. Um, we're seeing that there's a huge increase of black girls. Even the rate of black girl suicide is is increasing, but the black male suicide is still the highest between black men and black women. Um, we talk about this. We're keeping this in mind. Why is communication and connection and community a part of this conversation? Because you you brought up something about isolation and Twitch. That's why I thought you know you might want to kind of talk a little bit about why those three things why those three c's what does that have to do with suicide what does it have to do with mental health jay go ahead man i think vita tim and i are so passionate about the healthy and positive effects of communication when you think about communication like water in 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 for example if com- if communication is water and a pond is is some type of symbolism of what water is doing in a pond. It's stagnant. It's stale. It creates it. Things grow there and it's there's not a fluidity. But you think of communication, um, healthy communication as something that flows and something that goes in a like that goes in a certain area. And there's you never when you stick your foot in the in the, the river, you never touch the same place twice because there's always a flowing like Tim and I are hyper conscious of the fact that our ability to communicate as people, as men even so is is a lifeblood of our healthiness. Now, there is some shaping of there is some shaping of communication because communication is such a vast um, theme, topic, subject matter. But when it comes to the 
the ability to do it effectively, one has to, in a lot of ways, be a self-student. It has to be become more aware, that self-awareness of what is communication is not just one way. It is also receptive in nature, you know, is expressive and receptive. So understanding the dynamics of what communication is. Tim and I had this conversation to probably on that same night that we talked, like, like there's forms of communication when it comes, and this is, this, I think we, we can get, I can get really passionate about this subject when it comes to communication, like just there's communication that we have that goes outward. And then there's a Tim and I talk about on our podcast, there's communic we we're communicating with ourselves all day. There is a constant dialogue that happens in the recesses of our brain that is not audible, but is communication. And that we need to be aware of that and check that narrative of what we're saying to ourselves. So it is the the communication that goes out and it is the communication that stays within that we have to wrestle with and struggle with and try to ascertain what am I saying to myself? What am I saying outwardly? And when that communication becomes constipated, when it becomes null and void and we don't know how to make it flow and come out the way it's supposed to be, we become unhealthy. We become dysfunctional because we're unable to articulate. Tim, you, Tim I think I want to have you bring out what we said. It was it was something about it, it dealt with with being whole and being healthy. And it, it also dealt with in a way with therapy, like sometimes when we're in the present and we don't have language and words to articulate our present, it's often stemming from what we never worked on in the past. And when we're unable and we're confounded about what we're trying to articulate in our present, be it feelings and emotions, and it's directed from what we never worked on in our past, it still leaves us stagnant and dysfunctional because we're unable to work through though. And th- we're just talking about communication. We hadn't even gotten to connection and community yet, which yeah. is the, is, which is another beautiful aspect of, of the, of the three C's. And it's just, it's, it's some, you can continue where I left off, but it's, I don't know, Siobhan, what are you going to say? Well, uh, before we get to the other two C's, definitely um, let's, let's stick with communication, but go ahead, Tim, what were you going to say? No. So I I was just going to say that communication and community have the same root word. Mm -hmm. If you if you study them etymologically, this idea of communication and community is to commune with one another. Mm -hmm. And the medium for our communication is language. And so language, language, language always already assumes the presence of another person because who am I talking to now? Sometimes that uh, we can sort of bifurcate ourselves and we can talk. Don't nobody know no bifurcate me. Cut ourselves, <laughs> cut ourselves in two. And, and we can have a we ain't professors up in here, professor. Right. What are you talking about? Right. My That's bad. Him. My bad. We can, That's we him. can, we can divide ourselves in half, and we can have conversations with ourselves. As Jason talked about, we do that every day. But I think what Jason is 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 getting at is our desire for community is so strong that we are going to pursue it whether we're aware of it or not. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is how functional are we in our pursuit of community? Because everyone wants connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody craves connection. Yes. And you're going to you're going to gravitate toward connection whether you're aware of it or not. So I think through our podcast what we hope to get across through the ideas of communication, connection and unity is this notion that hey, we are social beings by nature. We are compelled toward community. We have an unconscious drive to connect with other people. So since our drive is unconscious, why not be conscious, self-conscious, self-aware and say, what kind of communication am I performing? What kind of connection am I building? And what kind of community is the result of my drive for connection with other people. If if the answers to those questions are not good, right? Because some people end up getting alienated and don't understand why. Some people end up getting ignored and don't understand why. And I think if Jason and I could help people just be a little bit more aware of first their drive for connection community and how strong it is and second to be more aware of how they pursue community Mm -hmm. and with whom they pursue community because community, although you need community, you might not need to have community with everyone you want to have community with. Facts. Yo. (laughs) And so why waste your time? So I think those three C's in that regard are everything because we are just really driven to it. So we might as well be good at it. I love that. I love that you tied all that in. And I and I definitely think if we look at communication in particular of the three C's and how it leads to these other C's, right? Because um, your communication can either drive connection or disconnection, right? Your communication can also result in certain types of community, right? Sometimes we end up driving away what we want and drawing to us the things that we don't really want because of our ineffective communication. A lot of that having to do with, and I liked what Jason was talking about earlier, these messages and what has been communicated to us earlier in our lives, which inhibits our ability to communicate effectively. Um, especially if the what we've been taught about ourselves has been inaccurate, especially, you know, if we look at, you know, how maybe our parents talk to us or how our peers maybe um, talk to us or treated us growing up, then we end up with these perspectives on ourselves that are inaccurate. And so we're trying to communicate things like, hey, I want affection. I want love. I want friendship. But because of these experiences we had growing up, we end up communicating the opposite of what we want, right? Um, and, totally. and, and getting to that, and this can go to Jason or Tim, in what ways <clears throat> have our traumas impacted our ability to communicate effectively. <laughs> Tim is smiling. Go you ahead, Jason. Go ahead, Jay. Take it, man. So I, I kind of alluded to it. Um, I know. Great, that's why I'm asking the question. Great, great, <laughs> great question. Great question. Uh, like the, the, the prelude. So I just feel and know from experience that we often, I love how Tim put that. Like there is a, we are created. Listen, let's let's just call facts facts. Like we are created to be in relationship. So there it like being outside of relationship, and these are various types. Being outside of relationship, we are we are then dwelling in a realm that is dysfunctional. So 
with the idea of knowing that, hey, we are we are relational beings like it's 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 purely obvious to me that it is from our childhood growing into our young adult to our adults that we learn how to communicate, whether it's conscious, whether it's subconscious. We we get these things into us and that's how we later express them later. Now, when we're let's when we're get, older. Let's give people an example so people can really visually see what you mean, because I don't want to talk so conceptually. Right. That, that listeners are like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Let's do something <laughs> else. I So this it would be an example. It's like a child growing up, for example. Um, you learn language from your family. You learn the ways in which we use language. Right. 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 Um, right. I can give you an example, Vita, and I, I, Jason and I always talk about being vulnerable, so I'll be vulnerable and open up here. Mm. As, a, as a child, uh, my trauma was a trauma that was sort of imposed on me or inflicted on me by an older sibling. It was emotional trauma. It was severe. It was it was a trauma that caused a severe level of low self-esteem. It the trauma took place in my early mid I guess child mid childhood all through my childhood and, and early adolescent years and my desire for connection with other people specifically a 13 or 14 year old's desire or understanding that he liked girls right <laughs> was a desire that didn't go away uh, but one it was a desire that I accommodated through communicating a message because I wanted connection with girls. I always communicated a message to them that said, you could treat me however you want. I'm not really worthy of good treatment. So you could treat me however you want, because that's the only way I'm going to get you to like me. And the reason I feel that way is because I be- I've believed everything my older sibling has told me about myself, none of which is good. Right. So I've grown into a belief of false ideas about myself from my trauma that has unfortunately come at a formative time in my life when my desire for connection, a romantic connection with a a girl of similar age, 14, 15 years old, is very natural and doesn't go away. And the combination of the trauma and the resulting low self-esteem with the drive for connection led to what was a disastrous adolescence for me when it came to girls and grew into a equally disastrous adulthood and a marriage in which I married a woman based on this idea that you could treat me however you want because that's what I have to allow in order to accept me. What you mean? Males go through the same thing? Males go through this? <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, so I'm saying that because it's so often phrased or framed as though, you know, only women go through that or girls have this experience of desperation and of, you know, for connection. And we end up in these unhealthy relationships because, you know, males are always the perpetrator and we're always the victims. Right. Um, <laughs> that's just how it works for whatever reason. <laughs> um, 
you know, for those who are just not listening, I'm joking and being sarcastic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if this is your first time listening. This is Vita being sarcastic. Um, I think that you're highlighting something really important, um, and both of you, and and thank you for the example, Tim, because I think mm. this is, uh, and I think people don't don't really realize the way in which they've been raised, the experiences they had in their childhood have literally impacted their ability to have healthy relationships such as romantic relationships, right? Mm. Um, I think that, and, I, and I've shared this multiple times, you know, how I would go on dates and I'd start being self-deprecating. In my mind, I'm being humble. I'm communicating humility. I'm communicating, that's what I think I'm communicating. Mm -hmm. But I was really just blood in the water to narcissistic sharks <laughs> mm -hmm. who were looking for someone who had low self-esteem that they could, you know, get their, um, what's the word when it's the, you know, their claws into yeah, yeah, yeah. They like could, it's they could manipulate, gaslight, and exactly all, all, of be, all the things, all the things, right? Could because of you know being raised in a household where I was constantly trying to communicate my value to a narcissistic parent, right? Diagnosed, not just saying that shit. Nobody called her by a narcissist. My right. father really had um NPD. Um, but I think we don't always think about the ways that. We've been taught to communicate, much like how Jason was talking about, you know, we've been conditioned and we've been taught to communicate a certain way, especially early in our childhood, you know, where we think, okay, if, if my parent isn't showing me the affection that I need, I just have to work harder for that affection. And then we do the same thing in relationships, exactly. right? The person's definitely sending all the signals. They don't see us as a long-term person or they're giving us all the signals. They don't take us seriously or they don't take this relationship seriously. But instead of saying, you know, maybe, maybe this just isn't for us, let me move on. We work harder for that affection, right? We work harder to be liked. Um, I just wanted to get, kind of give an example of what this looks like for people because sometimes we think of, oh, commu I communicate well, I'm fine. We think we're communicating one thing. It's like when the guy, when I go on a date and a guy says that shit to me, you know, he does, you know, facts over feelings. Mm -hmm. And all I hear is a scared little baby boy. <laughs> That's what I hear. Wow. <laughs> I hear uh, I hear a baby boy who's scared of, of connection and closeness because wow. of what they may have lost or what they may mm -hmm. feel they're going to lose. Mm -hmm. I don't hear a tough guy that he thinks is communicating. I'm tough. I'm alpha. Mm -hmm. I don't need no woman, you know? And all I hear is I'm desperate for, uh, for connection. I'm lonely and I don't know how to get it. <laughs> wow. yeah. So true. Yeah. So true. That is true. That is true, Vita. I, I think that for me, I've I've spent the past seven plus now almost eight years trying to undo the root of my trauma, which was low self-esteem that came from the traumatic incident. I've spent the past seven going on eight years trying to undo that and just to be more self-aware, because if if I can't have good community and good connection with myself, it makes it very difficult to establish community and connection with others. So I think that's one of the things that Jason and I always talk about. And that's what we, we try to keep front and center. Yeah. I think, Vito, that notion of community, well, I guess a communication, connection, and community with self is so powerful. Like, Ooh, say that again. Say that. Repeat that. Like, it's, it's what Tim just said. It's, it's having communication, proper, healthy, good communication, positive communication with myself, my inner dialogue that consistently goes on in my head. And when that when you're doing that, you create a solid authenticity, um, a connection with yourself. 
so that you know that you're okay. And sometimes the temptation of thoughts and ideations and ideologies might come at you from within, but you can easily, you can easily dispel them and really concentrate on knowing that, no, my communication is healthy. And I'm, I'm, I'm maintaining that, that, that true rich connection with myself so that I can have a rich community with myself. All those three, three things have to happen first in ourselves so that they do well outside of ourselves. Mm. Cause if we're not true, if we don't truly know who we are, we won't feel in the connection. We won't feel a, a, a solid ability and it will be coupled with insecurities as we venture out to try to make connections with other people. And thus our communities are also frazzled and fractured as well, because those three C's that, that start within us, um, that should start within us, um, is the, the impetus of what we do outside of us as well. Very powerful and very, and I think it's primary too. I think that's definitely primary. And I think that sometimes it happens. We we believe that it has to happen on the outside of me first before it can impact the inside of me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for example, for example, you know, you might have, find people who feel like, well, people aren't treating me a certain way, so I now must believe this must be true, right? So, you know, for a long time, like most of my life, people told me something about myself: I was this or I was that. And I internalize that and I believe that. And mm-hmm. it becomes, like you said, you know, maybe even a, a communication within ourselves because we didn't counter it in ourselves first. So now whatever people are saying on the outside, we take to mean the validation for us. So people are saying that you're ugly. Oh, it must be true because people are telling me I'm ugly. People are saying, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not good at this or I'm bad at that. It must be true because this is what they're telling me. In fact, because we often look to people as reflections, right? We look mm-hmm. to them to reflect to us who we are. And if you don't already have that solid foundation within yourself, you're subject to whatever people are telling you. Mm-hmm. Like a what sail a, without a, sh- a ship without a sail. Yeah, Just I floating mean, out here with everybody's opinion. What <laughs> One of the things Jason and I try to stress in our podcast is that you, if you live life from the outside in, you're going to be disappointed all the time because you, you are, you're maybe imposing certain expectations on other people. You're, you're expecting to derive your esteem from what other people think about you, from what other people say about you. When the reality is you're much better off if you live your life from the inside out. Cause if you live from the inside out, it means you have good dialogue. With yourself, you have good communication with yourself, you have a strong connection to yourself, and you have strong community with yourself. And it really doesn't matter what is going on outside of you. You are well enough from within to be a stable, to be a stable, emotionally well human being, no matter where you are and what's going on. And that has real benefits. One of the problems of, of codependency, which was a problem that I, I like to think I've, I've made a lot of strides in trying to overcome is this idea that I don't, you know, what other people think or say about me does not really determine how I see myself, right? Mm-hmm. I have to see myself as a certain way first, and then whatever's going on around me can happen, but I'm well as is. And, and I think we, that's one of the things we we try to push because if you have a bad connection with yourself, if you have bad community and bad communication with self, like I did, 
oh, I'm this. Oh, I'm I'm stupid. I oh, I can't. No girl's gonna want me. No girl likes me. And and like you said, you internalize those things. You believe those things. You have bad connection with yourself. Now all of a sudden, you're bending over backwards for somebody who's doing you harm because you don't know how to set boundaries. Yes, you don't think you're worthy of a boundary. You don't. You think you just you're letting other people into your space who are inclined to do you harm and and it just becomes uh, it just becomes a it spirals out of control and it's just not good you know what else and i just realized something in listening to both of you now but also i realized this listening to the podcast um what you guys do and the perspective that you take is so empowering versus so many conversations when it comes to things like connection and communication and even i'll i'm even even i'm guilty of this it it can sometimes come across to people as though you're saying, you know, don't take accountability. It can come across to people as though you're saying, you know, um, it's up to everyone else to be empathetic towards you. And empathy is important. But at the end of the day, regardless of what people do or don't do, you still have you. And I feel like a lot of y'all's perspective is so empowering because you're giving suggestions and ideas and ways for us to communicate effectively within ourselves and then to everyone else versus having this high expectation for others to do this thing for us. And the reason why I think that's important, especially being men, is I think um, a lot of what turns, I think, a lot of men off and maybe specifically Black men off from some of these other conversations that people have around connection and community and things like that is it doesn't feel very empowering. And mm. I think what you guys are doing, saying, hey, this is what we can do for ourselves sounds very empowering. And at the same time, it doesn't leave you at the whim of what others will or won't do. While I do feel like my responsibility on the outside is to have mitigate certain conversations in, in regard to making sure that we're uplifting conversations like yours or making sure that we counter these other negatives that are other narratives that are negative towards our community and towards our, our black men and boys. But I think the key thing that you guys do is like, wait a minute, we can we can do this for ourselves within ourselves. It doesn't have to rely on these other spaces that doesn't take away from community because what you're saying leads to better community, healthier mm -hmm. community. Um, and I think that's something that you guys are doing with your podcast. I think you guys are highlighting it here. Like, hey, this is what we can do. I can do. You can do versus we have this expectation for the world to change because that might not change anytime soon. Is that okay. intentional or that's just, again, one of your authentic ways of you guys talk and it just comes out that way? Wow. Um, I want to say I want to say it's organic. It, it's on, honestly organic with some intentional like Tim and I, when we come to the podcast, these I promise you, Vita, these are conversations that we have in in confidence. Like we say on wax, on wax is on the podcast and off wax is like these are no different from the conversations that we have in real life. And they're, they're epic. Like they, they, we, I don't think we've had our most epic conversation on podcast yet because they, because we've had so many of them off of the podcast is the fact that we just bring those ideas that we've been talking about in an organic um, fashion onto the podcast. And we have it and we have a little bit more, like Tim said, it kind of buttoned up. But it's it's still those topics. And we've come to these conclusions based on some of the fundamental things that are in our profession, some of the fundamental things from our experience, from the fundamental things from in therapy that we've both been through, like fundamental things about life lessons that 
that allows us to see life a little bit more clearly. One thinks about how do how do you have community with yourself? Like just when we talk about that, like that's kind of it can be a little bit nebulous along with some of the other things. But I think out of the three out of the three parameters of communication, connection and, and community with myself, what does community with myself look like? How can I express that or how can I identify that? One of the ways that that I like to express it is it's 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 kind of like when you start talking about knowing your boundaries, when you have that authentic communication with yourself, you become grounded through a connection to know who you are. OK, and the next step is com- is community with yourself. And that helps you have your plumb lines to see this is what I will allow in my space. And this is what I won't allow. This is the commute. This is my environment. This is my community. And this is what helps to keep my homeostasis, if you will. It helps to keep this thing, this environment, like really neutral as opposed to toxic or dysfunctional. So this is now that I know my community, I know what I'm going to let in and what I'm not going to let in because I need to have an equilibrium in my in my own self. And when you start understanding those things inside yourself, it's easily to lift up that model and then take that out to the world because now I've been practicing that within, it's easier to practice that without. And it's it's just a beautiful concept that that we've learned to express and it and Tim as we do as we do our podcast, we find ourselves walking out what we do on the podcast in real life and it also holds us accountable to life as we go through these different parameters of the three C's what we talk about. Jason, I just want to say I agree with you 1000%, but if I can't say bifurcate, you ain't got no (laughs) business talking about homeostasis. Everybody know what that means. (laughs) Oh, really? Well, I think you should describe it for the listeners. Tim, good catch. Uh, What is homeostasis? It's like an equilibrium. It's like a balance of inside of us with that communication, connection, and community. If you're having an environment, you want to make sure that environment has a balance. You want to make sure that room is smelling good and is looking good and, and is cleaned and is neat. Like that's our community with inside ourselves. And when things are opposing, there's opposition to that cleanliness inside that community that you're setting up inside of yourself. And those things don't it doesn't look right. It doesn't taste right. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't feel right. You get to say, get out of here. <laughs> like, go. You have no business in my community. <laughs> kind of like looking in the mirror to check to make sure you ain't got no grits on your on your shirt and you ain't got no spinach in your teeth. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, making sure that, that you you in a state of uh, a state of equilibrium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Balance. Yeah. Way to go. I, equilibrium. I, I love that. What would you say? is the impact of the three C's on not only personal healing, but collective healing. Because we talked about trauma and what experiences that we've had in our childhood, whether it's in our household, among peers, parents, whatever. But we still have to heal from that, right? We still have to heal and move forward in order to continue to communicate effectively, right? Um, In order to build strong connection, in order to have community. So what is the impact of it on collective healing in addition to personal healing? Tim, let me jump in and then I'll let you go. Because we, Tim and I have been having this thought. Like I said, we have these conversations off wax. He and I just this week have talked about our podcast could be very well shaping into something that is a strong advocacy for therapy. 
that is a strong advocacy for mental health. That is a strong advocacy. I was literally just telling Tim probably a day or two ago, like, what if we lived in a country that had access to mental health that was free, that was free? Like we need like there's another conversation about people who just won't go even if they did have access. But what if mental health, the the cares of mental health access was free to everyone? Now, there's different levels of it. But what if we had a society and that that is something that is kind of like ruminating inside of me or is welling up inside of me to say that 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 someone needs to champion that cause. And if we have to be the first. Like it needs to be done because you're right, Vita. There's so much collective healing. Do you know that us as black people, black men, like we sit and watch television and we watch we watch the traumas of our past and our present. And we just we take it in and we just and and when we see it, we turn it like it's it's so much. Tim, go ahead. (laughs) No, it, it, it is a lot. And. I think, Vita, one of the things that has to be emphasized when you talk about communication, connection, immunity in the collective realm is there has to be another C involved, which is a lot of compassion. This is this is this is very, very complicated stuff. And Jason and I are quick on our podcast, say to people, listen, we don't have all the answers. It's Mm -hmm. our job to maybe get folk to start asking some of the right questions because there is nothing linear or sequential about any of the stuff that we're talking about. I still have to go back and forth in my own life. Jason mentioned a few moments ago about how we end up sort of the, the podcast for us encourages us to have a certain level of integrity, right? Because if we're going to talk about these principles of communication, connection, immunity, it's important for us to make sure we apply them. And one of the things that Jason and I always talk about is that this, this process of applying them is a messy process. So we have to be patient with one another we ha- as as a as a as a group as a community for example as a community of black men we we have to be patient with one another we have to understand that we all have different experiences and that some people may be a little further along in their healing than others and we have to be able to to communicate with one another in ways that share the need for these principles without sounding like we're coming down on people. Because if you sound like you're coming down on people, people are going to tune you out. And the very demographic that we want to uplift, we could end up alienating. And that's not something we want to do. So I think compassion and, and understanding is is a very important part of that. And I think that it can happen. And I think when it does happen, it's a beautiful thing. Jason and I often imagine the conversations that maybe some of our listeners are having with their families, with their friends. And we're hopeful that people are starting to unearth the need for some of these principles and so that so that healing can occur on on a much broader scale than just for the individual. Yeah, I love what you're saying, especially the key point around compassion. Um, I do think that's something that cannot be missed. 
That fourth C that you just mentioned is a big part of that healing. And it's a big part of that connection, which leads to healing, right? And this is and this is science. And I'll get to, I always talk about the science of it on here, but I'll get to the science a little bit later. But the thing that you made a clear cut point about is that we're not talking down to people. And it's specifically Black men get talked down to all the fucking time, yeah. all the time. And it's accepted. Because we see, we've been conditioned to see Black men as the problem or as a problem. So talking to them, look at how we treat children. I've worked in schools for many years, right? I look at how we talk to Black boys, Black children in general, but Black boys specifically, right? Get in line. Be quiet. What are you doing? I would have staff. I train people who work in schools and work with children, right? And I would have staff members tell me, well, at this school, meaning Black school, predominantly Black, maybe Black and Latino, um, at this school, these kids don't understand niceness. You got to talk to them like this. And it's always something overly authoritative, overly aggressive. This belief that Black children, specifically Black boys, need to be um, told what to do. They need more authoritative, aggressive um, interaction. This belief that Black men, it's accepted to talk to Black men and berate them and talk down to them to the point where people who are supposed to be professional and actually want to touch on something Jason said about mental health access and mental health care being more accessible. But then we have to ask, if that's the case, can we trust these spaces? Let's say the government's Mm -hmm. like, yes, let's open this up. Let's have um, access to mental health care. Then, you know, Black revolutionary Vita starts going, wait a minute, it's a trap. <laughs> right, <laughs> because, because, wow. because what's going to happen? Are you going to do, and I don't, I'm not picking on them. I, I like our former president as much as everyone else. No, you don't. Gonna do, are you oh. going to do, <laughs> I don't know which president, I'm just. Are you going to do what Barack Obama did oh. <laughs> at the Morehouse? <laughs> and spoke at the Morehouse graduation? That's a perfect example. And, and picked up on the theme of, of this false moralizing, oh, You don't need to be running around here worrying about getting no girl pregnant. You know, you need to take care of yourself and, you know, you got to be a better man for your community. And there's so much. Go get Pookie to vote. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So much false moralizing on black men and nobody does it quite as well as the black church. The black church has a way of taking to the pulpit to tell black men how they got to get their act together and we're going to come together and we're going to, we're going to pray more and through our prayer, everything is going to be all right. And it's not prayer as a form of meditation or self-awareness. It's a very sort of nihilistic and by nihilistic, I mean, nothing matters nothing at all matters. It's in other words, prayer becomes for a lot of black men in black churches, a way to avoid confronting a real problem by spiritualizing it away. And, and that's what we do. And so we have a way of negating ourselves as black men that, that really has to be overcome. And we're up against centuries of tradition within lots of black churches doing it a certain way that is, that is entirely destructive of the black male psyche. All right, y'all. So. That is the end of part one. Go to, again, patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks or click the link in the show notes to get part two. Be good.